Right here, right now, every day. CIUT 89.5, the sound of your city. Hello, my night owls and my early birds. Welcome again to another edition of The More the Merrier. And for those of you who are new to the show, hello and welcome to you too. My name is Donna G. I'm here with you for the hour. And uh, I certainly hope that uh, you will all who are listening will contribute to CIUT's upcoming fundraiser, November 16th to the 22nd. Please tell your friends to support this little arts show on the radio, The More the Merrier. Advanced pledges are welcome at www.ciut.fm. We're going to jump right into today's show with my interview, rather my chat with director Ian Bawa of the short film Strong Sun, which premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. And I say chat because uh, Ian shares so much with us during this interview, and uh, it really is a chat rather than an interview. So I hope you enjoy it. After that, I'll have have some jazz and some dub poetry for you. So keep it locked. CIUT 89.5 FM, the more the merrier with Donna G. My guest today is Ian Bawa. He is the director of the short film Strong Sun, which aired in program four of the Toronto International Film Festival. Ian, welcome to the more the merrier. Welcome to CIUT Radio. Thank you. It's uh, yeah, it's good to be here from Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> so um, obviously, this is radio. People can't see you, so their introduction to you is um, is via this interview. So I want some background story. Uh, how does um, a young brown Winnipeg man? Uh, get into the filmmaking world. <laughs> One, I love that you said man and not boy. I need you to call all my exes and tell them <laughs> that. <laughs> and then tell them he's not a man child, he's a man. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I, I, I come from, yes, I am brown and I am, uh, I guess, defined as South Asian. Uh, my family uh, is from India, but I was born in Canada. Um, I started out my film career in law. <laughs> I, I went to school for in University of Winnipeg to become a lawyer, and I studied criminal justice and political science, and I graduated, and I had an, some scholarship money to keep pursuing law, to go to law school, and I was able to use that money and fund my first year of film because I really wanted to do film, and I a lawyer was my parents' dream, and uh, you know, and and so I secretly kind of did this. Told them I'm just going to take a year break and just kind of do this, and um, and yeah, and then I did three years of it. Graduated with film, so at three degrees, uh, came out of film and could not find a job. I uh, didn't know what to do, but I I won I won at my student film festival uh, that my my city had and my school had. So I I like won every award, and I was like, well, well, I know I'm good at this, so I'll just keep floating along with other jobs. I worked in radio for a while while still making movies. And then eventually I worked, started working in film while still making movies. 
and like my passion and work life kind of intertwined to where I was just, this is what I do. I am the film guy where if I'm not making movies, I'm working in movies. If I'm working in movies, I'm using that money to fund my movies. And, and that's how it just goes. You know, you just keep pushing your passion in a sense and, and you find your champions to keep pushing you, uh, which are, you know, close friends and, you know, sometimes, well, let's now my family more. So it's, it's my dad was well, you know, I, 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 first. I have, I have a question, you know, um, most parents, when their, uh, child decides to go to the, to law school, it's, it's bragging rights, you know, among other friends and other relatives. And then you decide to go to film school. Um, how was their reaction? <laughs> well, like in truth, like years ago, I was I I was such a Jim Carrey nerd, and I'm sure most of us were at some point. Like if you're like in the like early 30s range to like whatever 38, you probably grew up with like Dumb and Dumber, Liar Liar, Ace Ventura, and I was that kid who was like, I love Jim Carrey, I want to be Jim Carrey, and I grew up, and I remember being young and telling my dad, I want to be an actor, I want to be a comedian, and he was like. <laughs> he said I was too fat. <laughs> and I was no. like, he said I was too fat to be an actor. And oh it my goodness. Me. And I remember like and I it, it like was very like, you know, like as a kid you hear that and I was like, what? And so you know, you know and it, that's that sounds like a Russell Peters joke. Is it actually it's, really? It, it, I'll it be honest, I'm not like, a fan sounds, of him. It, Oh, okay. That's so funny. No, that's interesting. <laughs> but though. it sounds like a Russell Peters joke, like the way his dad talks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I like I've seen his bits. I'm like, that sounds you're right. I'm like, you're kind of you're right in that sense. I've seen his like little bits when he does his dad's voice. Yeah. That's funny. Uh no, like in general, it, it was you know, they were they wanted me to be successful, even though they came from art backgrounds. Like my dad played tablas, drums, like Indian drums, my mom mm -hmm. played sitar. But in, and when they came to Canada, they both got blue collar jobs. So like um, they just want, you know, it's the idea that they want their kids to be successful and success. That's great. Is, is money great. and money, yeah. you know, means the world in, in this society, not happiness. Happiness mm -hmm. is like something you do. Like, I don't know. That's a subsection to their mindset. So yeah, like I never had that conversation, but I know deep down that's what I wanted to do because I thought it was the coolest thing. And, and my mom passed away when I was 20. So kind of like the third year of my like law, um, uh, like, uh, journey. And mm -hmm. I, I eventually, you know, that I was like, I will finish this law degree and be, go to law school. And I remember as it was going, I was like, I am so sad because one, I'm like, my mom passed away and two, I'm doing something I don't really truly want to do. Mm -hmm. I need to find something to make me happier. And I'm like, maybe it's this, this sounds cooler. It's a better distraction than law because law isn't distracting my mind. It's just making me sadder. So yeah. Yeah. And then I just kind of fell that way. So I never had that yeah. discussion. I, I just think, kind of presented it. Yeah. And I think um, your mother being, being an artist, I think she would have been cool um, with you, you know, eventually finding this filmmaking uh, voice that you now have. It, it, I think so. I hope so. Like, it's one of those, like my dad has, come to understand it and he, he gets it and he's very happy that I'm successful like you know he he has stoked his pictures in the paper from from strong sun and from like you know just in general he's he's stoked that I I'm in the paper like I've I've have a lot of ads written about me and and you know uh, I like I'm getting nominated for things and winning awards and he's he's happy to see my success so you know you can 
I've, I've always said like, if you, if someone offered me the choice of like fame or money, I would choose fame. And, and I think that's kind of like artists don't really aren't the wealthiest people in the world. Like filmmakers aren't the wealthiest people in the world, <laughs> no. but like there's another side of this where you get, you know, uh, validation and like you know we'll get to go to the cool parties and all that stuff that that this side of thing happens and that being said too i'm not like financially dying i'm like you know i own property and stuff like that so he he gets that i'm i'm good at what i'm doing and this is the right path for me a filmmaker that owns property you're already way ahead of a lot of people I, I'm, a, so... I'm a landlord what can i say <laughs> my tenants lives like a couple doors down for me <laughs> so uh being a, a filmmaker in winnipeg um any challenges than if you were, say, in Toronto? Do you do you see any difference between living where you are as opposed to people living otherwhere, other places in uh, in Canada? Yes and no. Like Winnipeg's, it's you know Winnipeg's a, a city town. We're very interconnected. So here's the benefits to living in Winnipeg. City town, you can do really well here if you're good at the hustle. You can say that about Toronto too, but this city, it's just word of mouth travels fast. If you're mm-hmm. good, if you're hustling, if you're doing the knocking on the doors, trying to meet for coffee with people. Luckily, I've always been kind of like a social person and I love going out and I love hanging out at trendy places. And I like, I'm not afraid to talk to people. I'm not afraid to like, just, you know, randomly have a conversation with a stranger. And that, that has helped over the years, just this like spread my name. It also, you know, starting out in the film industry, it was just like I worked as a PA and I was a PA who knew a lot about cameras, a lighting grip. And that kind of grew. It's like, oh, Ian knew a little bit of everything. And that kind of grew into a sense of like, Ian's a really good producer. He knows a little bit of everything. And then it kind of shifted to like Ian can direct. So like you can grow faster here because the community is small now. On the other side of that, the community is smaller. You're fighting for like maybe the same funding streams. The the piece of the pie isn't as cool as Toronto. So it's like, you know, like, let's say like you don't, you, the chances of like big Hollywood movies or you directing or working on, like you'll, you'll be a crew member, but you won't be like on it as like above the line type of person. So like the projects are cooler possibly in Toronto, I think sometimes, but like, I don't know. Winnipeg is so niche. We're like the, (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to explain it. Like the, uh, the, like music festivals are always in these small kind of junky towns that no one has ever heard of like Coachella. No one used to go to Coachella, right? you know, before they named it a, a music festival. Winnipeg has that kind of appeal that we're like this cool little uh, city town that people kind of poke fun at because we're the center of Winnipeg and we're cold as hell and mosquitoes are bad. But like overall, we have we have a really good art scene. And I didn't even know that till like recently when I talked to people from Ottawa who were like, oh, you go to Ottawa and everyone works in government. I was like, oh, really? You go to Winnipeg, you can definitely stop in anywhere and kind of like find someone that's in like roughly the art scene to some regards. So we do have a really good art scene. And I keep forgetting that. So that that's one thing. Smaller, smaller pond, but cooler stuff. I think the Winnipeg Business Association will be very proud of you right now. I hope so. Like, well, <laughs> they are paying me as we speak. I, my, they, the e-transfer just went through, so I oh. we're good. Like, they sent me 25 Canadian bucks, which mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, you mentioned your your dad, uh, yep. Jagdeep uh, Singh Bawa, yep. who is the co-star of your movie, Strong Son. So uh, why don't you introduce your movie to the listening audience? Okay. Um, 
My film Strong Son is about a South Asian father who is at the gym with his bodybuilding son. And uh, he is essentially giving life advice and marital advice to his son as the son works out in a variety of different exercises throughout the throughout their workout session. Uh, and yeah, it's a three-minute little portrait of a father-son relationship. And and the film themes on the idea. Um, it stars my actual father, and it stars a filmmaker friend named Mandeep Sodi. And um, and the film is themed on uh, basically it's a film about all my insecurities and uh, my relationship with my dad. <laughs> so Mandeep Sodi was he the inspiration for the film? Because he you know he he looks like he he definitely works out. The, the so. boy's jacked. <laughs> um, uh, yes and no, like. The, the idea of the film kind of, well, like for one, like a, a bunch of things, it's like, you know, there's no single idea, but I was directing on a show like last summer when the world was normal. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and I, Mandeep was one of my lighting guys and, and he was, we, we clicked really well. You know, he's also a Brown guy. And I, I kept saying like, look at your, like, and I'm, I'm a health person because I have body image problems. I was a really hefty kid growing up. And I also like, uh, I, I don't know. Hey, my dad called me fat. <laughs> so yeah. clearly I have issues. Um, but I, you know, and I love going to the gym. I love talking about workout and Mandeep was, uh, there and I'm like, look at you, man, look at your arms. I'd always like kind of be like, ah, oh, look at your bicep. It's huge. Look at your calves. My legs are so skinny. You're the better version of me. And I kept being like, you're the, <laughs> speak the language. You even speak like Punjabi. I don't even speak that. I'm like my dad would love you more than me. And I kept making jokes like that anytime mm-hmm. we worked together. And and even he would like crack jokes with me being like, oh, I should introduce you to like my wife's sister or something like that, you know? And like, they, you know, we kept making jokes. And then the other side of it is when I, I lived at home till I was 30 and, uh, and it was really hard for me to move out, to be honest. Cause I, when my mom passed away, I just like my dad and I got close and I, I started just was like, I need to stick around him. Cause I don't think, it's good for him to be by himself. And it probably wasn't good for me to be by myself. And I ended up staying at home till I was 30, which was, you know, good and bad for a lot of ways. Definitely. Like by the end of it, it was good that I got out, but my dad to get him out of the house, cause he's such a like introvert and not social and doesn't have really any friends. I would take him to the gym with me and he would come to the gym and he wouldn't work out. And he would just sit on a bench and watch me work out. And, and it's like looking back on it, like it's kind of weird but at the time it was like just my dad just came to me and just sat on a bench (laughs) and it was like and and it was fine but like yeah looking at it's like yeah it's kind of weird that he'd just come to the gym with me every day just not work out and not work out and just sit on a bench (laughs) and watch me work out and like you know at the end it'd be like okay I'm done and we leave and that was it it was just getting him out of the house and and that's where I think like a lot of it kind of came from and then it just became like and then I just started writing little stories about my dad and I, and in truth, like the full disclosure is I had a really bad breakup last summer and, um, and it was, it was kind of broken up on my birthday and, no. uh, and it was really just devastating. Oh, uh, not on your birthday. <laughs> well, you have these breakups that really like F you up. And this is one of those ones that broke me. Mm. And, um, and my, the, my dad, like I had to go for brunch the next day with my dad and we were at the restaurant and I started just telling him what happened. And I started crying at this restaurant and he was like, don't cry, be a man, be strong. And this is like something my dad always says. He's very much against men crying. It's very awful. And it, it, it's giving me panic attacks and heart. It's just hard. 
Uh, and so, and I was like, and I, and then eventually when I calmed down, we're having dinner, he gave me a birthday card, open it up. And it said, uh, to Ian time to settle down. And it just made me start crying again. Cause, oh, no, was, cause he just broke up. Yeah. And so I was like, cause he, he thinks I live like a crazy life cause he doesn't understand the non nine to five, the artist lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, and, and, it, and so then I like when I started thinking of this idea a little bit more when I was writing like the script, it ended up being just like little bits and pieces of uh, of dialogue that my dad would say or what I thought about myself about marriage and my dad wanting me to get married and settle down. And, and it just became this little portrait of just our relationship and how he's like he's worried and dis- he's happy. He's happy about me and my successes, but worried about me not being married. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the truth is, is. My dad is that he's, he's worried. I'm not, I'm not successful because I'm unmarried. So is it your dad doing the narration or is it someone else? That is my dad. No, I said, wow. uh, yeah, that's him acting in it and that's him doing the narrations. He's all voiceover. Uh, that, your dad, the voiceover actor. Just, <laughs> I know. Believe me. <laughs> your film is three minutes and yep. your dad talking, you know, uh, strong legs mean a stable home. And, and, you know, my son needs to work on his calves and, all, you know, to all of these things are, you know, marital advice as he's like, you know, sitting on a piece of equipment that the son in the film Mandeep is pushing, or he's sitting on Mandeep as he lifts weights. And <laughs> <laughs> your your dad is a star now. Yeah. And, uh, have have people seen the film in Winnipeg? Is your yeah. dad a star now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No people. People have seen it. Like you know, I I honestly didn't know what I had when I made it. I made a movie for me about me and something to do while like, COVID was going on because, and so I just like focused my energy in editing this. And then like when I had it, I started like, like when it was kind of done, I started sending it to friends just to get feedback, and they were just like this is really good. And I was like, is it? I just was like, it was kind of embarrassing to share with you. Cause it's all about me. And they, you know, it's clearly obvious about me. And they're like, no, no, it's like universal. Like, Oh yeah. Of our parents. We all understand that if you're, if you're like, you know, if your parents are over 60, most of us are kind of dealing with this fact that we have to take care of our parents as millennials. And it's very scary. Um, and, and so I, like, because of that, a lot of people have seen it. And because of that, yeah, my dad like is a star, but he's always kind of been a star. I'm very social media friendly with my dad, so I like I love posting about him. I love making jokes with him. I love just constantly posting him, and like so people know him. He's definitely been to like he, my dad doesn't go out much because he's old, but occasionally he'll go to like a Starbucks, especially COVID these days. But I know there was a time he went to like Starbucks, and like a friend of mine who had no idea was like, "Are you Ian Bella's dad?" and it's happened a few times also he went to he he has like diabetic foot problems and so he went to his like specialist for his diabetes and the doctor came in and is like mr bauer i saw you in the paper you're a celebrity and then i saw you on the news you're a celebrity (laughs) my dad's like this is great i'm like i don't know i your he's dad, very happy, dad, but he's also very modest. So, yeah. Your dad's adorable in the <laughs> film, <you>. and the <laughs> fact that it, the fact that it's his own voice um, makes it even better. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> so you shot this on Super Eight, correct? Who does that anymore? Well, you know. So people, why? People, why did you... nostalgic kids who, think, <laughs> who wants to who want to like have a have a stand out above the crowd? I guess uh, that's also standard. Stand out above the crowd is a goofy movie reference, and if anyone gets that, 
congrats. I don't get it. So yeah, hopefully, no maybe, worries. Maybe somebody will, uh, you know, uh, let me know what that Fair. means. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like I, I'm a lot older than you, and I hear Super Eight. I'm thinking, oh, maybe he thinks he's like uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, uh, that's how Steven yeah, yeah. started out with Super yeah, Eight. Yeah, totally. Um, so, no. In, so the, what is it you like about Super Eight? In general, I, I like I like film, even though it's like will will kill you in a lot of respects because of like you know difficulty and money and costs and etc um so the reason why this was done on super eight is there's an event that happens uh, around canada but every city like kind of has their own version of this but uh winnipeg we have it through a it's called a one take super eight and it, it was through a um a festival called windex the festival of moving images uh that happens in manitoba each year except for this year possibly <laughs> and, uh, mm -hmm. anyways a one take super eight event is basically you get Super 8, which is a analog film, and you get a Super 8 camera, and basically you shoot a film and edit the film as you shoot it. So basically, you don't take the footage after and put it together. You have to put together the movie as you shoot it. So if it's like a guy comes to his, like, gets, picks up his keys, walks out of the house, goes into his car, you shoot those in order into the shots you want them to be. So this was one of those. I've been doing them for the last nine years. This I've done okay. the last the last three I've done have been about my dad to some regards and also about culture to some regards. Like one of them is called Trevor's turban. I did like three, four years ago, which was about my dad putting a turban on my very white friend and then just having a dialogue conversation. So it's kind of a doc. Uh, another one's about my dad's feet, which are he has amputated feet because of diabetes. And then this one. So it's been kind of like a trilogy of my dad's stories. And, and so in a lot of ways, it's funny. Cause it's like, I love super eight. I love the style I love the look. This was an idea that I it was just like, I need to think of something to do for the Super 8 this year because it's part of my tradition of doing it. It's one of the, it's almost like a 48 hour. You have to just get it done. Mm -hmm. You can't overthink the idea. And because I think of the fact I did not overthink the idea, I did not try to produce something mass. I didn't try to be like, I need a full crew. I just need, I just tried to do something simple with my friends and my dad that took two hours to film. And, and that was it. And like, you know, and I think that's like, I think on the other side of it, like shooting a film on Super 8 has this nostalgia feel of home movies. And I think that's part of what this Yeah, definitely. It has, it has that look about it, the home movie feel. And the fact that, you know, it's father and, and, and son that's in the film as well right. adds to it with your dad narrating. The son has no lines. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no. It's like he's just, you know, in the gym working out and his his dad is giving him, you know, this this marital advice and saying, you know, I hope when he gets married, you know, um, that I get the biggest room in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Are those actual things your dad has said to you? Like to some extent, like every line has like a purpose or reason mm -hmm. behind him. Like, like for one, like second or third line of the film is, um, my son has very strong arm. He works on his arm the most and gets lots of compliments on them. And so what that is related to is like, I've, I've, I work on my arms way too much. I know that when I go to the gym, but also I've had like partners <laughs> tell me I have very nice arms and that, and just like, I, that's like one of those body parts I get a lot of compliments on and I'm like, Oh, that's nice. So that that's kind of the joke there. Uh, the 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 thing about like the legs, like you know, my son has very uh, or or should be working on his legs more, and he'll find a wife. Like, the yeah. idea there is, if he works on his leg, bigger legs or strong legs, means stable home. The idea there is, I have very skinny legs. I used to be a runner. Like at, when I lost a lot of weight after high school, I became very skinny. 
then I had a hard time putting weight meat or muscle on my legs. And, uh, and I still have really skinny legs and I used to look very top heavy for a while. Cause I, my, my got strong on top, but not on my legs. And, and I think there's, it's the body image idea of just like, if I looked better, if I was more muscular there, like I could, people would probably for, find me more like attractive, you know? Like, and there's basically a lot of like, when I said this film's about insecurities or my insecurities, anything my dad is saying is, is my own insecurities, mm-hmm. but my dad is saying it in this other spin of it and in, in, in like a different light in a positive way or just a critical way. And so like, for the most part, he says, he has said a lot of these things, like the true, the, the two truest lines in the film is um, my, my son, uh, uh, I, there's days I have to go to the doctors and my dad, my son drives me. I tell him I can take a taxi, but my son says, no, he said he'll work twice as hard at the gym the next day. And that's like true. Like my dad has like multiple doctor's appointment cause he's old and his health isn't great. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and we have these fights cause, and I'll be sometimes upset with him. Cause I'm like, I got to drive you to the doctor and I'm so busy with my own life. And he knows, and I get a little like aggravated and annoyed with it. And he'll be like, I'll take a taxi. I'm like, it's fine. I'll drive across the city to pick you up, to take you to your doctor and drive you home and then drive across the city back to my house and it becomes a four hour thing. And, and we have these fights a lot where like, I don't want him taking a taxi I'll drive him because I feel like that's, that's my purpose at this point. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the other truest line is, um, as I said earlier about the settling down, it's my favorite line, favorite shot in the film. And it's, uh, it's my son is getting older and I'm worried he spends too much time working out and not enough time settling down. And that's all it is. And like, and I don't know, there's something about like, I think that's my own thing being like, am I too focused on myself and my career? Like, that's what that line means. And, uh, and, and I, I, I worry about that. I don't know if other people who are like sometimes single. Oh, sure. Worry they do. about that. Yeah. Right? Like, I think, I think a lot of people, um, do worry about that as they get into, especially as they get into their, um, early thirties. Yeah. Um, worry where about I'm at. that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where did the idea come from to put your dad in these, uh, funny situations? Like sitting on a piece of equipment or sitting on this uh... <laughs> I, I think in general, like it, it first became just like, it's funny. I never even thought of the, I forgot about the idea that he would come to the gym with me. I, I didn't know. Like, I think that came later in my head. I'm like, oh, right. This was a thing. We used to work out together. Like, um, like there was a, there was a point where we did go to the gym together and he didn't really do much. Like he would walk on the treadmill and sit. But like, I think it became these funny images in my head of just like, my dad is so he's five three and so frail at this point. And he's so he, little. He's, he's so, little. so little, and like it's probably he's more so little from the like even now than when we shot the film. And the bodybuilder Mandeep is is big, and I just thought it was just funny images of seeing them together. And I sometimes I'm five seven. I'm not ripped. I'm like I have you know I'm decently built, but like, and I feel huge next to my dad sometimes. And when we go to the doctor or cross the street, he'll grab my arm like, you know, just the support because he walks with a cane and I feel massive next to him. And I was thinking how funny it is to have this bodybuilder as a son with this tiny skinny man who's basically frail. And I, and I had these just images, like I wanted this bodybuilder to curl my dad at some point because I thought it'd be funny. To, like, <laughs> I'm like, I couldn't ask my dad to do that. So I no. just had to think of the most basic yeah. things of that. But in the end, like, you know, like I like the there's images of a bodybuild the bodybuilder doing push-ups and dad sitting on top of him the bodybuilder doing chest or sorry a bench press and the bodybuilder or sorry my dad is sitting on him while he's doing uh chest press and 
and, 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 you know, a lot of ways, the metaphor kind of comes through a little bit more where it's like, this is the weight of burden that the sun carries with them throughout a single day. Like it, it's his dad is with him all the time and his extra weight. And yet the sun has to be strong for him. So I don't know, there's like a two side. So a lot of it are these funny images, but when all said and done and with the dialogue became like more uh, than what it was. And yeah. Yeah. Well, it's using, you know, comedy to, to, to talk about uh, univer- universal issues, like your dad being older and worried about you um, getting married and also the son um, taking care of the dad who, you know, who is ill. So those issues do come through, but it, you've, you've used comedy as your vehicle for right. this. And you managed to pack a lot in that three minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Again, like I talked to basically, like I said, it's I made a film about me. And so I guess like the vulnerability that I wrote, like especially people that know me, they're like, Jesus, that was like too much, dude. <laughs> like, you know, and like. Yeah, but you uh, know what? It, it's not too much. I don't know you. So yeah. um, it it reads perfectly fine to me. You don't have to cool. know you to 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 understand the film. Good. Um, that's, that's what I love to hear. <laughs> so you couldn't, there was no uh, in-person TIFF this year. So how were you about that? Like, what were you doing in, instead? Uh, you know, I I used this situation to leverage, like, I, I, like, okay, first, I think when I getting the acceptance email was just like, that's my dog. Don't worry. He's being, he's being a little brat. He's a foster and he has three legs and he's very adorable, but he's being a little needy because I'm ignoring him. Um, uh, no, this year, like getting the email, I was like, oh my God, it got into TIFF. And I was like, oh my God, it's online this year. Is this like, it's bittersweet. And then I realized, well, not realize, I found out they only took 35 shorts. They had only 50 features and um they had apparently i don't know how true this is but they had like one of the highest submissions this year because everyone worked on their film during covid uh so to get in was actually like a very hard like it like you beat yeah, the odds so you did i i you know a, a little three minute film from winnipeg beat the odds totally like and also like winnipeg manitoba is like sometimes gets just like the shaft sometimes like we we are like you know, underrepresented in a lot of ways. So the fact like I'm the only film from Manitoba in there uh, is very cool. But yeah, so when it was all online, I was just like, okay, like, is this going to be good or bad? How, how do I leverage from home? So, you know, a little bit is some of it was hustling and being like, what can I do from home to make sure this is good? But honestly, I didn't have to do much because of 35 films. People just reached out to me constantly being like, Hey, can I watch your movie like press or like just mm-hmm. people just being like, wow, I really loved your movie. I, I, I can't believe how much press and just good. No, like just not even locally around Canada and around the world. I got on this movie. It's three minutes. It doesn't ask for a lot. And as you said earlier, it does a lot in three minutes, which was like, you know, <laughs> I, I wanted like to be like I had a goal and a purpose. I was like, no, this is all accidents in a lot of way. You make something for you, and it kind of just happens. <laughs> yeah, right. But like, and and it, but like, it, it's crazy in that sense because like you know, like India reached out and they're like that. I had some craziness. I've had so much press on this thing, um, and like good and and good positive nature. Like 
some craziness happened. Uh, for one, uh, I was in like our Winnipeg paper and my kindergarten teacher reached out to me and, um, she like sent me this really nice, I'm trying to pull it up as we say it. Cause it was like almost like almost worth reading to you in that respects. But basically she sent me this really nice message being like, Hey, I, Hey, Ian, I'm your past kindergarten teacher. Um, not sure if you remember me, I taught you and your sisters when you were very young. Um, I just saw the article in the paper and basically, uh, uh, I have this story of, of you, of your dad coming to the school and basically asking if he should cut your hair, uh, because of, you know, Sikhism culture. And she, and basically she said, like, like you can do whatever you want. Like I believe in culture and, you know, and, um, and, and he was like, well, he get bullied if I don't cut his hair. And she was like, I, I will make sure that will never happen if that does. Um, but, uh, you know, and, uh, in the end, I guess my, like she said, you came to school with a haircut. So I never really truly knew what happened after that. Um, and so that's like one of craziness that's happened. Of course, now I find the, uh, the, the little story <laughs> after that. And then she sent me a nice message about my mom. Your mom was one of the smiles people I've known. She used to come to and the all classroom. of this because you got into TIFF. All this. And then the other side of it, um, very quick story as well. Uh, I, I was, I was in the newspaper. They took pictures of my dad and I in the local paper here. And I, uh, and I posted like an Instagram post of my dad and me holding the newspaper up. And I, and when I was one, I was in the newspaper with my mom. Uh, I won a diaper derby contest and uh, the free press put us on the front page. And it was my mom and me and me as a baby. And if we have a newspaper clipping of it anyway, so I posted a picture of my dad and I holding the newspaper. And I said, um, I wrote, when I was one, I was in the newspaper with my mom. 19 years later, she passed away. I'm happy that I get to be in the paper again with my dad. And I post a picture of my dad and I holding the paper. And then I post the, pic the newspaper uh, picture of my mom and me. Um, someone from the local paper here saw that post. I guess it was like forwarded, forwarded, forwarded. And then that guy reached out to me, this photo editor. He said, hi, Ian, I'm the photo editor from the paper. I noticed your post earlier and I went through the archives and found the original negative of the photo of your mom of you uh, from when you were one from 1989 or 88 or whatever it is, whatever year it was. Um, anyways, um, here's a high quality scan of you and your mom. And I was like, holy crap, like he gave me a huge gift. Like this is a photo of my mom and me I've never had, like from when I was one. Like I, this is like one of many stories I've had from this movie, um, but it's been nuts in that regards. Like positivity just keeps spreading. And, and it, it's, I, I keep every week, I'm like, it's going to die down. And then like another email comes in me like, hey, we want to like do something for you. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. This movie my someone told me a long time ago they're like this movie is important i don't know why but there's something here and and i don't know where it's leading for you but it's something positive and that's where it is right now i'll stop talking i feel like i ranted for a while <laughs> i think that's a great place to end but let people know what your instagram is so that they can check out you and your dad <laughs> uh my instagram is uh ian bawa it's just my name i-a-n-b-a-w-a -A -A. uh same with my vimeo same with my twitter same with everything uh, Ian, thank you so much for joining me from Winnipeg today and continued success uh, with the film. And tell your dad that Donna from Toronto says hello.
I will. He <laughs> was waiting for this. He wanted to hear from you specifically from Toronto. Okay. All right. Have a good day, Ian. You do. Thank Right here, right now, every day. CIUT 89.5, the sound of your city. We celebrated Winnipeg's Ian Bawa during the front half of this show. Now in the back half, we're going to celebrate local Toronto musicians. Chet Singh and Buskin and Lillian Allen with Rasta. You're listening to The More the Merrier with Donna G on CIUT 89.5 FM. The conga man was busking at the corner of Bay and Bloor. Some say the front line of the battle between the rich and the poor. The reverend came with his violin. The dub master soon joined in. It was a good vibration. They didn't have no moderation. in a suit looking very dignified interrupted their stride eyes open wide a chest filled with pride he said get up off your ass you welfare bum pull up your socks before i call the cops pull up your socks before i call the cops they looked at each other with surprise and wonder not knowing how to react to this crazy mother tucker they decided to let things go they didn't want to interrupt the flow you see they were busking at the corner of bay and bloor Frontline of the battle between the rich and the poor. But Mr. Suit and Tie refused to move, and it wasn't that he was digging the groove. So the dub master said, Mister, what's going on in your head? Sunday to church, spiritually well fed. Monday to Saturday, does the devil live in your head? He curled up his nose with his dignified pose Twisted his ribs right up to his nose With anger well composed he said You people are the cause of the problems in this society Decent people like me have reached the limits of our generosity So get up off your ass you welfare bum Pull up your socks before I call the cops Why don't you pull up your socks before I call the cops? So and so the conga man replied, Mr. Suit and Tie, is it possible that you're living a lie? People like us are doing our best to get by, and people like you keep taking a bigger piece of the pie. In this shitstorm of competition, your deck is stacked right up to the sky. His temperature began to rise, we could tell by the bulge in his eyes. How dare you make excuses for your sorry state? No wonder you have an empty plate. Man, they were trying to keep their cool, but this man was acting the fool. So the reverend wanted to tell him to kiss his ass, but they were busking at the corner of Bay and Bloor, front line of the battle between the rich and the poor. And so the reverend said to Mr. Sudentai, Mr. Sudentai, tell me, how much taxes do you pay? And he hemmed, and he hawed, and he hemmed, and he hawed. Well, uh, I really couldn't say. I'm a businessman. I contribute my fair share. 
But uh, come to think of it, I didn't pay any taxes last year. And now, the reverend's temperature began to rise. You could tell by his expansive size. He said, man, you better wipe that frown from your face. You are living disgrace to the human race. Tax breaks and generous incentives from your political chums. Aren't you a corporate welfare bum? Taking money from schools and hospitals. Privatize our commons to supersize your capital. Treat the public you rob with disdain while you hoard your ill-gotten gains. But man, your greed is truly addictive And you rationalize it as taking the initiative How do you expect people to find decent jobs When our dignity and rights you continually rob? Unable to comprehend, Mr. Suit and Tie called the police Who promptly charged the reverend with disturbing the peace They were taken away by the forces of law and order Hired by the state to guard the border Between the people with ways and means And the people with hopes and dreams Listen to the sound and the beat of your heart. Listen to the rebels and the rest of them attack. Listen to them chanting. Listen to them rapping. Listen to the shifting of the planets that is happening. The Rasta man checking back. I sit him up to go down to Eglinton this night. Riding bike when the sidewalk rock. Bops to the left and him weep to the right. Down around the corner, feeling very nice. Flashing like a light Him hands off the handlebar Off the bike And before you could say dread Everything alright Him smashed right into a policeman And patrol in the night Oh what a sight Oh what a fright A rasta man lying on top of a policeman With him bike Policeman revived Jump up in my And promptly arrest the rasta man For riding in bicycle Without any light But the rasta man said I am one of Jaja's children, and I got Jagai, which is I like. So you can't come and arrest I and I, cause in Babylon there's no night. As the law would have it, then went to court. As Rasta Love would get it, <laughs> the jury do. Did the courtroom full, the judge keen and jury dutiful. And the Rasta man decided to defend himself and present him case in full. First, him call himself as a witness. Hear what him say now, him is your witness. My life, your honor, is in my eye. If I ride my bicycle with eye eye shut, I couldn't see nothing. No matter if you was a pose and light, but I bite. When you give light, your honor, him give eye and eye eyesight. So the judge said, ah, let me try and get it straight, Mr. What's your name? Rastafar, you and you. If your eyes were closed, there would be darkness, no light. Uh -huh. But your eyes were open, so that means you had your light. Ah, uh -huh. see, then how come you run into the police now with your bike? The Rastaman replied, as dear is darkness, dear is light. And if the policeman did have him light, he would have didn't see I. <laughs> guilty or not guilty, the jury must decide. And furthermore, your honor, the Rastaman sighed, only one man can judge 
giant that is Jarastaparai Slassiai. The jury returned, split the verdict and decide. The judge had once to let the Rasta man slide. The policeman cut him chest and started to cry. Rasta man jump and him chariot up a bike. Him ice cream and gold, flashing like a light. Him bob and him weave and you hear him as him ride. A light beside me live and me light in me eye. Can't check the eye and I'm on Rasta gills. They went from Jah I get I guy. And off rode the Rasta man to his contented life. And so the story goes of a Rasta man in bicycle and in light. And the judge, it was said, late to resign And went to live in his way up on high And as for the policeman, he transferred to the day shift In the Rosedale Heights Listen to the sound and the beat of your heart Listen to the rebels and the rasta, them attack
hope you don't mind that I kept things downtown with Chet Singh, Lillian Allen, and throwing in some Richard Underhill. Uh, the CD of his is called Kensington Suite, but the track is called Bike Lane. Thank you so much for tuning in to The More the Merrier. This is Donna G signing off. Catch me on my socials at TMTM with Donna G. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and the podcast, redcircle.com slash the more the merrier. Leaving you now with Nick Ali and Crusau, aka Brown Man and Crusau, and this track is called Mago Malpensado. Bye bye. into my own thoughts, dropped the beatbox and tried to maintain, stay insane, a lot of problems on my brain, the devil said what's up kid, I got something for you to use to make it in this bid, sell your soul to the devil and everything will work, never settle for the pebbles, I said I want to rock, I want to drop with the hips to the hop, so I said sure, give me your power, one day I'll learn in the real hour of time and light and shining in space, but for that time I will play with the bass and make them girlies shake their waist, grab a little booty, Say what's up cutie and cheat, lie, steal Do what I need to do because that's what the world is real tells me to do I ain't devil, I guess I might as well do my work for you Yeah, love it when the brown man blows I miss the Marcus Alley on the saxes, bro
your position You like the styles, I don't think I think I like your position I think it's time to break a little bit of rhythm with this sound So y'all know right here and right now Goodness and life says learn, learn, learn. You say earn, earn, earn. I say forget that. Time to learn, time to learn. You try to entice me with luxury. I'm using my mind to keep myself free. Stop enticing with that luxury. I'm gonna use my mind to keep all of us free. Take that power and shower it back to the world It's like to do what's right Time not, I, I, I don't rhyme or recite Bad boy, come around with the light So with the horns and the voice We practice this conversion We learn Hell and devil, you can stay down there and keep burning To the L to the I With the E to the N to the L to the I Make you fly, don't forget the GHD If you feeling me It's possible to take the bad and make it good That's what we gon' do, what we could, what we would and what we should Mr. Brown Man Alley and land in your neighborhood Is making me feel inspired I'm getting kinda hired Spent too many times getting wired But we're coming around now with the fire Me and this train got the energy going on through me Me feeling kinda nice when we are playing with the brain It's taking an L-I-G-H-G Feeling kinda nice Rolling with the drama with a little bit of spice Do that I don't, don't stop Miss a, miss a, miss a brown man
dimple You think you gon' be my friend I'ma look up cause that's where I looked in the first place With the drum and the bass Take a sound of the sound when it's inside my heart Inside my heart cause that's where the art That's where the art has to start That's where the start did begin So I'm on grin and not lose but win In this game of the good and the fame And the fortune and the name Forget that, I'ma rock tracks Make you understand the life is in the life Never talk back, only attack when it is right Come around just to shut up our life Non-violence and non-silence the motto Devil ain't gon' play me like Lotto Imagine the freedom that you can have right here and right now Lose yourself, let cruise out, be the sound that makes you feel right Dark to light, wrong to right, brought to you by the end light